بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the battle of Mu'tah which was a battle that the Muslims fought against the Christians of Asham. And the Christians of Asham were known as the Ghassasina. And these Ghassasina, they also had the support of the Roman Empire because Asham was under the umbrella of the Roman Empire. So in the Battle of Mu'tah, as we mentioned last week, the Muslims were greatly outnumbered. There were 3,000 Muslims and there were 200,000 in the enemy army. And that enemy army consisted of the army of the Ghassasina with reinforcements from the army of the Roman Empire. So the Muslims were vastly outnumbered. So after seven days of fighting, Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anh, he engineered a strategic retreat and the Muslims came back to Al-Madinah. So about a month after the Battle of Mu'tah, there was another important battle that took place and this battle is known as the Battle of Dhatis Salasil. The Battle of Dhatis Salasil. So the Battle of Mu'tah, it took place in the eighth year of the Hijrah in the month of Jumad al-Ula and the Battle of Dhat al-Salasil, it took place the following month in the month of Jumad al-Ukhra. So in the battle of that salasil the Prophet ﷺ sent a group of Sahaba to confront the tribe of Qudaa, the tribe of Qudaa, who were located near Asham. So the tribe of Qudaa, they were aware of the Muslims' retreat at the battle of Mu'tah. They were aware that this big battle took place the previous month, and that the Muslims had strategically retreated. So this fact that the Muslims had retreated, this emboldened the people of Qudaa, the tribe of Qudaa. And they thought that, okay, the Muslims retreated, so that means that there is some weakness in the Muslims. So this is our chance, this is our opportunity to attack Al-Madinah. So this was the plan of the tribe of Qudaa. And they actually tried to conspire with the Ghassasina and also with the Romans to get their support as well. And they actually said to the Ghassasina, they said, after the Muslims retreated, why didn't you follow them? Why didn't you follow them to Medina? You could have attacked Medina and you could have put an end to the Muslims and an end to Islam. So this is the type of incitement that the tribe of Qudaa was talking about with the Ghassasina and the Romans. So this you could see it's a very dangerous threat to the Muslims. If the Ghassasina and the Romans and Qudaa all came together and had an alliance and attacked the Muslims, this would be a very dangerous thing for the Muslims. So Qudaa, they had this intention that they would organize a confederation with the Ghassasina and with the Romans. And of course, if this were to become a reality, it would be very, very difficult for the Muslims to resist this because that type of alliance would literally have hundreds of thousands of soldiers not tens of thousands but hundreds of thousands imagine Qudaa and the Ghassasina and the Romans all together 
This would be a very dangerous threat for the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to extinguish this danger before it could become a reality. Before Qudaa had a chance to actually form an alliance, the Prophet ﷺ wanted to send a Muslim army to Qudaa to neutralize that threat. So they wouldn't be able to organize any type of alliance or any type of coalition. So for this mission, which is known as the Sariyah Dhat al-Salasil, the Prophet ﷺ sent a group of 300 soldiers towards Qudaa under the leadership of a new Muslim, of a companion who had just accepted Islam about five months earlier. And this companion was Amr ibn al-As. So he had just accepted Islam earlier the same year. And now the Prophet ﷺ was putting him in charge of an expedition. So before Amr and his men reached Qudaa, Amr and these 300 men that the Prophet ﷺ sent with him, before they reached the destination, Amr sent some spies ahead to look at what type of preparations the tribe of Qudaa had made. So these spies, they looked at the situation and they came back and they gave Amr the news. And the news was that Qudaa had made huge preparations, huge preparations in order to attack the Muslims. So Amr ibn al-As radiallahu he realized that 300 men would not be enough, that he needed some reinforcements. So he sent a message back to the Prophet to send some help, to send more reinforcements because 300 would not be enough. So the Prophet upon receiving this message, he sent 200 more men. He sent 200 more men and included in these 200 reinforcements was Abu Bakr and Umar And these 200 men in the reinforcements, they were sent under the leadership of Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah So 200 men under the leadership of Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah and included in these 200 men are Abu Bakr and Umar so the Prophet ﷺ sent Abu Ubaidah and his men and he told them, catch up with Amr and his men and do not differ with each other. Do not differ with Amr and his men. Stay united and do not divide. So eventually Abu Ubaidah and his men, they caught up with Amr ibn al-As. So now it's 500 total. So when the time for Salah came, when the time for the prayer came, Abu Ubaidah, he moved forward to lead the Salah. But then Amr ibn al-As, he said, No, why are you leading the Salah? I am the Amir. I am the one who the Prophet ﷺ made in charge of this expedition. And you guys have just been sent as support, as reinforcements. But I am the leader of this expedition. And Abu Ubaidah disagreed. He said, No. But then he remembered the words of the Prophet ﷺ, Do not differ, stay united. So he said, okay, this is what the Prophet ﷺ told me. I don't want to differ with you, so I will obey you. And he allowed Amr ibn al-As to lead the prayer. So Amr is the commander and Amr leads the prayer. Now, the leadership style of Amr ibn al-As, it was unique. It was different than other commanders. So basically, the army would move all night without resting. The whole night they would be moving forward and then in the daytime they would hide and this is all under the instructions of Amr ibn al-As 
that we're going to move throughout the night and then when daytime comes we will hide we will not move at all in the daytime just hide for the whole day and they did this continuously until they reached very close to Khuda'a and because of this strategy Khuda'a had no idea that the Muslims were near because they only traveled in the night and during the daytime they hid so there was no trace of them so Quda'a had no idea that the Muslims were near now the nights in this region were extremely cold it would get so cold during the night and usually when the night is cold what do people do they light fires to keep themselves warm. So the Sahaba عنهم, in the nights when it would get cold, they wanted to light these fires to keep themselves warm. But Amr ibn al-As, the commander of this expedition, he prohibited it. He said, no one is allowed to light any fire. No one is allowed to light any type of fire. And this was very difficult for the companions because it was so cold. So Umar ibn al-Khattab he actually went to Amr ibn al-As and he tried to talk to him. He said, look, it's so cold and the people are suffering. We need fire to keep ourselves warm. But Amr refused. He said, no. No one is allowed to light any type of fire. Now when the time for Salat al-Fajr came, the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they saw Amr ibn al-As making tayammum. They saw him making tayammum. And they were surprised. And they asked him, why are you making tayammum? And he said, I have to make tayammum because I'm in a state of janaba, Meaning I'm in a state where ghusl or taking a bath is obligatory upon me. So then they said, okay, then why don't you take ghusl? Why don't you take ghusl? We have water. And then Amr said, the water is too cold. And then they said, okay, then light a fire and heat it up. Light a fire and heat the water up and then take ghusl. And then he said, no, I said no fire. So he made tayammum. And he led Salat al-Fajr in that way. So the Sahaba, they're, they're, they're confused about, well, why is he doing this? But anyways, this is what happened. So Amr radiallahu anh, he led the Salah after making tayammum. Immediately after Salat al-Fajr, he ordered the army to attack Quda'a. And Quda'a, they were caught completely off guard because they had no idea that the Muslims were near because of the strategy of Amr, traveling in the night and hiding in the day. So they were caught completely off guard and the Muslims were able to inflict heavy casualties upon the kuffar. They killed many of them. And Quda'a had to retreat. They fled the battlefield. And the Muslims, alhamdulillah, they were able to take the spoils of war. So this was a very clear and decisive victory for the Muslims under the leadership of Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu. As the people of Quda'a were fleeing, were running away from the battlefield, Amr radiallahu anhu, he ordered his army, do not follow them, let them go, let them flee. So some of the Sahaba, they were surprised. They said, we're winning, so let us just finish off the job. Why don't you let us just finish this off? And Amr said, no, let them flee, let them run away, we stay right here. So they were kind of surprised about this as well. So many of the decisions that Amr was making, they confused the Sahaba. Because they were not used to this style of leadership. Even Umar, he was disturbed how Umar was handling things. And he actually went to Abu Bakr. Umar went to Abu Bakr to complain about the leadership of Umar ibn al-As. And Abu Bakr, he told Umar, look, 
the reason why the Prophet ﷺ made Amr ibn al-As the leader of this expedition is because Amr ibn al-As is the best person for this particular job. The decisions of the Prophet ﷺ are the right decisions. And the reason why Amr is your leader here is because he's the best person for the job. There's no doubt about it. So just trust that. Trust the decision of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and follow the instructions. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he accepted this. So when they came back to Medina, alhamdulillah, this was a big victory. When they came back to Medina, the Sahaba, they told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam of this successful expedition and how they were able to inflict heavy casualties upon Qudaa and how Qudaa had to retreat. And they also told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam about Amr and his leadership and the commands that he gave. They told the Prophet ﷺ, look, he didn't allow us to light any fires. And one day he made tayammum and he led salah instead of taking ghusl. And when we had a clear victory, he ordered us not to follow the enemy and to just let them flee. So they told the Prophet ﷺ all of these things that confused them. They told this to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ, he called Amr. He called Amr. And he asked him about these things. He said, Ya Amr, why didn't you allow them to light any fires? And then Amr said, Ya Rasulullah, if I had allowed them to light fires, the fire would be a signal. And the people of Qudaa could see those fires and they would have been alerted. And then we would have lost the element of surprise that they would have been prepared to attack us. So I didn't want them to know that we were even near. So I prohibited my people from lighting any type of fires. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Okay, why did you lead the people in salah without making ghusl and you made tayammum instead? And then Amr said, Ya Rasulullah, if I took ghusl with that cold water, I would have died. If I took ghusl with that cold water, I would have died. And if I lit a fire, to heat up the water, then we would have been discovered because the people, the people of Qudaa would have seen the fire. So this is why I made tayammum and I led the salah. And the Prophet ﷺ, actually he laughed at this. He laughed at this and he accepted it. And then the Prophet ﷺ asked Amr, why did you tell the army not to follow the enemy after you had already gained victory? Why did you allow them to flee? And then Amr said, Ya Rasulullah, if we had followed them, they would have been able to regroup and reorganize themselves and they would have come with a new attack. So I wanted to avoid that. We already had a victory, alhamdulillah. We were able to take the spoils and I wanted to keep that victory and not allow them to have a chance to attack us again. So all of these explanations that Amr gave to the Prophet were accepted. And it really just shows what a great military leader Amr ibn al-As was. He was a great military commander and he was also a great diplomatic statesman. When the situation calls for military leadership, he was good at that. And when the situation calls for diplomacy, he was also very good at that. So this was a gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given to Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu. Now the amazing thing about this battle, there were 500 men as we mentioned, 300 in the original army and then 200 reinforcements. So 500 total. They came back to Medina without one single death. Every single one of them came back alive, alhamdulillah. No Muslim casualties. 
There was only one Muslim who was wounded and he was treated for his wounds, alhamdulillah, but not a single death. So this is amazing. An amazing victory with the leadership of Amr ibn al-As radiallahu So that was the battle of Dhatus Salasil. All right, the next month after the battle of Dhatus Salasil, the next month was the month of Rajab in the year eight of the Hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu So that month, the Prophet sent an expedition of 300 men under the command of Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah to the tribe of Juhayna. And the tribe of Juhayna was also a branch of the tribe of Qudaa. Qudaa was a huge tribe that had many sub-branches and Juhayna was one of those branches. So the Prophet sent an expedition of 300 men under the command of Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah to confront them, to confront the tribe of Juhayna. So included in this Muslim army of 300 men, there was Umar ibn al-Khattab and also Qais ibn Sa'ad ibn Ubadah. And if you remember Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, he was the leader of the tribe of Khazraj in Medina. Remember Medina had two tribes, Aus and Khazraj. Sa'ad ibn Ubadah he was the leader of the tribe of Khazraj. So he was a very important person amongst the Arabs. So his son, Qais ibn Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, was one of the soldiers in this expedition under the leadership of Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah. So the Prophet wasallam sent this army forward in the month of Rajab. But as you know, Rajab is from Al-Ashhur Al-Hurum. It is from the sacred months where fighting is not allowed. So the plan was to send the army forward in Rajab, but there was to be no fighting until Rajab was over. The fighting would only be in the following month, the month of Sha'ban. So this was the plan. All right, so on this journey, as the Muslims were going towards Juhayna, they ran out of food. They had no food. They ran out of food and they became very hungry such to the extent that they would eat the fallen leaves of trees. If there were some trees that had some leaves that had fallen down, they would get those leaves and they would eat the leaves. That's how hungry they were. So that's why this expedition, it became known as Sariyat Al-Khabat. Sariyat Al-Khabat. Because Al-Khabat, it refers to the leaves that have fallen down from the trees and they had to eat those leaves. So this was the situation of the Muslim army. They were extremely hungry. So because of the lack of food and because of the hunger of the army, these 300 men all hungry, Qais ibn Sa'ad, the son of Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, he went to some of the Bedouins in the area to see if they had any animals that he could buy and he could slaughter and feed that meat to the army. So Qais ibn Sa'ad, he went to some of the Bedouins and he found a Bedouin man who had some camels. And he asked this Bedouin man, can you sell me some of your camels? And the man said, okay. And then Qais said, I don't have any money right now. I don't have any money with me right now. But when you come to Medina, when you come to Medina, I will pay you. Just come to Medina, I will pay you. And the man was uncomfortable with this. What is the guarantee that he will be paid? So he said, how can I guarantee that I will get my money? And then Qais, he said to this man, do you know who I am? I am Qais ibn Sa'ad. Ibn Ubadah. I am the son of Sa'ad ibn Ubadah. And when the Bedouin heard this, he heard, oh, this is the son of Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, a great leader of one of the tribes of the Arabs, the leader of the tribe of Khazraj. He was well known. 
So he said, oh, you are the son of Sa'ad ibn Ubadah? Okay. That means I know that my, my money will be guaranteed if he is your father. So he agreed and he sold Qais ibn Sa'ad five camels. But Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he witnessed this whole transaction and he was very uncomfortable with it. He said, how can Qais buy these camels giving his father's guarantee? Even though his father doesn't even know about it. How can he guarantee on behalf of his father when he hasn't even asked his father permission for this? Umar radiallahu anhu, he was not happy with this. He was not comfortable with this. But anyways, Qais, he took the camels and he slaughtered one camel and he fed the Muslims. But remember, there are a lot of Muslims here, 300 Muslims. So he slaughtered one camel and he fed the Muslims. But Umar radiallahu anhu was not comfortable with this. And then Qais slaughtered the second camel as well. And he fed the Muslims some more. And after the second camel was slaughtered, Umar radiallahu anhu, because of his discomfort with the situation, he went to the leader of the expedition, Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah, and he said, Ya Aba Ubaidah, stop Qais from doing this. He didn't take the permission from his father and he's using his father's guarantee without his father even knowing. You have to stop him from doing this. So Abu Ubaidah, he actually agreed and he told Qais, that's it. You're not slaughtering another camel. That's it. So Qais had to stop. And then the Muslims, they became hungry again. But they were willing to be patient upon that. So they remained hungry and they didn't have anything to eat. And eventually they reached their destination. They reached their destination which was by the coast of the Red Sea. It was by the shore, by the beach near the Red Sea. But the enemy had become aware that the Muslims were coming forward and before the Muslims could reach that area, they had fled. So by the time the Muslims arrived, there were no kuffar there. They had run away from the area. They had already fled. So there was no fighting. So when the Muslims reached the beach, when they reached the shore, they saw in the distance a large elevation, looked like a mound or a hill in the distance, near the shore, right by the sea. So they thought that this is strange. What is this hill or this mound right next to the sea? This is something that is unusual. So as they came closer, they discovered it was not a hill, it was not a mound, but it was a huge beached whale. A whale that had been thrown out of the ocean and landed on the shore. It was so big that five men could fit inside the eye socket of that whale. Imagine this. Imagine how big this whale is. Five fully grown men. You open the eye socket of that whale and five men could fit inside and sit inside that eye socket. That's how big this whale was. So now the food problem is gone. Alhamdulillah. This huge whale, the Muslims, they stayed there for 18 days. 300 men. And they stayed there for 18 days and they ate from the flesh of this whale. And when they came back to Medina, they actually brought some of the whale meat back with them to Medina as well. And they told the Prophet ﷺ about what had happened and about finding this whale and about eating the meat from this whale. So then the Prophet ﷺ asked them, did you bring any of that meat back with you? And they said, yes, Ya Rasulullah, we brought some meat back with us. And the Prophet ﷺ said, give some to me, I want to eat some too. 
So the Prophet sallallahu ate some of the meat of that whale as well. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this expedition, which is known as Sariyatul Khabat, this was one of the last incidents. One of the last incidents that took place before the Fath of Mecca, before the conquest of Mecca. And inshallah, we will talk about the Fath of Mecca, the conquest of Mecca, and the events that led to it. We will talk about that next week, bi-ithnillah. Wallahu alam, wa sallallahu wa sallam, wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.